Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that absolutely 100% and without any apology is going to continue to say gay. Uh, it would also like to say to both Greg Abbott and the members of the Florida State Legislature who voted for that bill, go fuck yourselves. Oh, mate, don't. <laughs> it's been a fucking week, hasn't it? Jesus it's Christ. just been a horrific week. Like, it, in so many ways. Like all the like metal, there's nothing can take back seat for two minutes. Metal's been fine, but everything else has just been like, oh my god, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to jinx the whole COVID thing, but it sort of seems like we're nearing the end of that. Don't and say it. Like, no, I know, but then all of a sudden it's like World War Three and all this shit. <laughs> like... Yeah, don't tell him, Pike. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's oh god. Just one day of normality, please. Come on. Yeah, that would be nice. Or at least at least give us a week. Because you kind of need a few days to kind of get down to a, a plateau of relaxation yeah. after, like, the intensity of some of the shit. But, yeah, the, this has been a bad fucking week. Um, we don't normally talk about the news, but sometimes you just have to go fucking hell. Anyway, um, apologies for the slightly aggressive tone to the opening. I did, kind of felt we had to address that. Uh, and thought it was better to get it over with than leave it hanging and not mention any of it. Um, I don't apologize for the content, though. Stand by that entirely. Solidarity with the queer folk of Florida and the trans folk of Texas. This is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with Knotfest. Uh, this is episode 69, and as that's just too easy a joke, you can help yourself <laughs> to that low-hanging fruit, uh, which is also the title of my sex tape. I'm Tom Dare. Hello! And with me, as always, is a man who is in the middle of relocating to a larger town. Uh, he denies rumours it's because the local craft beer suppliers cannot keep up with his demand for their products. Don't you, Matt Rushton? I am fucking well excited to just be able to, you know, like, there's, a, there's a, so many flat, there's, it's like a, it's like a fucking holiday resort type thing. There's loads of like cool shops and bars and stuff like on the complex if you like and there's there is a craft beer bar there and i'm gonna be there like every fucking day and like <laughs> is it one of those uh like holiday resorts where you see lots of friends who are there together who are extremely <laughs> buff and and like well groomed and and very tanned even when they first arrive even though they say they're from somewhere cold i mean there is a like really expensive gym right below me so i imagine we'll see probably that, yeah. <laughs> almost certainly yes Anyway, speaking of, of, of manly-looking men, we're going to begin this week with a yes homo. Uh, this is where we take a look at a time someone tried to look metal, but just ended up looking fabulously gay. And this week, we're talking about Sabaton, the Swedish power metal band who sing about war, where Camo, and whose singer Joachim Broden, wears a very distinctive body armour vest thing. This one, though, has a twist. Because I'm going to need some help here. So my esteemed co-host has just stepped out for a moment. And into Matt's chair has appeared a new member of the Hellbent for Metal team for 15 minutes only. Well, probably about that. Um, Mr. Joachim Broden. How, for one, how is that pronunciation? And two, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it doesn't really matter. You walk in Brodén is what we say in Sweden, but uh, I'm used to all kinds of pronunciations by now. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I, I thought I'd try and get it vaguely close, but mm. Swedish is quite difficult if you don't speak it, which I don't. Welcome to the show. Obviously, you've got a new album coming out. I'm going to talk about that at another point when you're not here so that we can kind of you know give our opinions. <laughs> so, Thanks, man. <laughs> so, so, well... 
<laughs> you know how it is. You think oh, you obviously think the album's great, right? You would be yeah. putting it out otherwise. So oh, I'm, I'm not gonna tell it to his face, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I'll say right now, I think it's really good. I think it's better than the last one. So you know, and I like the last one. That's not me saying I didn't. So you know, there we go. I think I might like the last stand a little bit better, but I had a real soft spot for that album. That one was one of my favorites. So you know. It's on a path, so good going, right? Okay. It's interesting I'll... how people take it differently. Some other people say, I really like The Great War. Nah, Lost Stand was like, eh. So it's really interesting to hear how everybody, you know, feels very differently about the albums. Yeah, opinions like arseholes, then, you know, everyone's got one and there's far too many on the internet. Um, <laughs> what I'm actually like, I'd actually like to talk to you about today is more because this is the LGBTQ heavy metal podcast. We're going to go and destroy all um, stereotypes immediately by talking about appearances and how people <laughs> dress. So if you were to describe Sabaton's look, how would you sum it up to someone who's never seen it? Village people in camel pants? Uh, that seems pretty accurate. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is that we have a, a regular thing on the show, which we do, where we kind of talk about uh, a time where someone tried to look incredibly metal, you know, just tried to look really kind of macho and hard. And we think they ended up looking really quite gay. And <laughs> this is going to come as a shock to you, I know. But Sabaton have been on the list to discuss since I came up with the idea. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to kind of break this shocking news to you. Um <laughs> But we've never actually got around to discussing it. And the reason was because not only are you the only band on that list who talk about this yourself, but you actually joke about it on stage. And not just a little bit. I've seen you do it multiple times. So the, the kind of the obvious question is, at what stage did you realize that there was this side to you know, the very distinctive look? that you've got well already from the outset in a sense i mean we do take the stories we tell you know military history pretty serious but we don't take ourselves very serious and heavy metal is fun i mean i don't think anyone goes to a concert so want to think about you know ooh, half a million dead and you know yada 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 so uh, i think i mean it all started back in 2006 when we did a music video for atero dominatus and we were just gonna have clothes for the music video we decided on urban camo or winter camo depending on what you want to call it for pants because basically there were no colors that could ruin well we were going to be in a bunker and you know different lights and stuff so for those reasons so the colors wouldn't you know mismatch or the, the lighting designer could use any kind of light he wanted we chose that camo because it's black white and gray and then I remember one of the guitarists said, hey, you can get that uh, funny vest, you fake six pack you put you bought in London a couple of years ago. Put that on. So you of have course it was British. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Camden. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's the way we dress for that video. And it felt I'm sorry to say it felt fucking weird to put that on the first time. Um, I'm so used to it now, I don't even think about it. But I remember the first time, it was like, oh shit, this uh, doesn't feel right. But it's for the video, who cares? 
And then everybody commented that they liked our new stage outfit on <laughs> uh, when they saw the video. And I was like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm really comfortable with it now. Um, I, um, back in those days, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, I, I did have a real six pack. Now it's more of a family pack. So choop, it's good to have a corset to keep it all in. Speaking purely about the vest for a second, that thing has become like almost a meme because I've seen you at a, a, a festival where your gear was lost by a by the plane and you ah, turned stuff, up yes. with nothing. Yes. And you came on stage and you didn't have it. And you said, has anyone got one? And you got about three, like there were th the crowd just already had them just <laughs> yeah. at random. People had gone on the internet and said, where can we find one of those to, to come to, a, to your set? And I, that's become quite a thing. Um, what stage though, did you start joking about it on, on set? Cause I think I saw you, do it for the first time. I think you were still touring The Art of War, so that was quite a long time ago. Yeah, 2008. Um, yeah, it was probably a year or two after, so it, I know Coat of Arms hadn't come out yet. There were none of those songs in the set, but I, you made a joke saying, of course we are all homosexuals, and, and you know, some people laughed. I thought it was hilarious, and a load of people in the crowd went, really? Um, <laughs> how early did you start going, well, this is obviously a thing I should make a joke about. Uh, I don't know, but I think it all comes back to quite early, actually. So, well, early, uh, a short, relatively short time after we started using them. But in in that sense, it wasn't really making fun of the appearances, but rather how they smelled. Right. Because in the you know early days, we just have a big trunk. Um, you can't see me making big gestures, I guess. So I have to do like this. But uh, a trunk that basically fits all our boots, uh, stage pants. It's got to be of a you know size of a large luggage bag or something like that. But it was a wooden trunk or chest almost. And after every show back in those days in 2006 and seven, we just yeah we have to load out real quick. So quick into the shower, throw everything in there lock it and then put it in the bay no matter if you were in you know spain or in finland and you wouldn't open that um until the next day because you had drinking to do you know yes <laughs> and you're on and, tour what else is there to do yeah exactly so i remember the final show on one of the early tours in 2006 or well we actually walked around in the dressing room to avoid the smell of ourselves, you know, sort of crisscrossing. We just put them on. They were still wet, stinking from two oh. and a half weeks on tour. You know, oh, and we were walking around. That's probably at the point when we started making joke about the costumes. When it came from the, when it went from the smell to the appearance, I don't really remember. <laughs> but I've, we've had situations where people physically, you know, going, oh, you know, from from the smell. Um, Social days, distancing was not a problem. No, 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 no. It was built in. Uh, but uh, it's luckily enough these days. There's a, um, we are a bit more careful about hanging them up to dry in between, and you know, washing them every now and then. <laughs> yes, that makes that must make things a lot better. But the, the jokes. Uh, it's not just something that you've kind of said once or twice a casual throwaway comment. Like you sometimes have really got into it. I, I think it was Hellfest about seven or eight years ago where you actually got the crowd. This must have been about midnight and there was a lot of very drunk people there. But you actually got the crowd to kind of, kind of chant 
they were chanting Sabaton. You said, no, we are not Sabaton. We're the village people. And you got them to chant village people. And then they <laughs> led them in the chorus of the YMCA. Like, <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not just a throwaway comment. It's actually a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it can go both ways. You never know. I remember we were supporting accepting 2011 in in the United States. And this is the first time we're touring America properly. We'd been in America and played before, but we haven't done a, you know, a proper tour there. And uh, we were, I think, in Florida. And I knew there were going to be different levels of tolerance and culture on a lot of things there. But uh, they were a bit surprised when we ran out on stage in, I think it was Fort Lauderdale, I can't remember specifically. And uh, they were expecting uh, accept and they got Sabaton. Uh, I mean, obviously accept was coming later, but we weren't very popular in Florida at the time. And we went out all guns blazing, played ghost division and I think uprising. And then the first talk between two songs was, it was a bit stiff. The room wasn't very welcoming. There was a, you know, a bunch of Mexicans in the front row who were rocking out like motherfuckers. And then a lot of uh, Americans who weren't really huh, sure what to make of us. So I made some joke about, you know, hello, we're Sabaton, uh, also known as the village people in camo pants and no reaction whatsoever. Like, right. Okay. Shit. Okay. What I do. So I said something along the lines, like, Hey, calm down guys. Uh, if you're gonna get that excited, we might just play you the YMCA, you know? And one guy in the back of the room, you know, oh, hell no, you won't. <laughs> Mortifying. But yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. That's amazing. I can't imagine that joke. Oh, some people just have no sense of humor. Because I just, I can't imagine that not being funny. Like if, if, a field full of people who don't necessarily all speak English can get the joke and get into it very quickly. I mean, granted, you're slightly more successful by the time you played that show, and there was a lot of very drunk people there. Uh, yeah, and you know, also, also, it's like, what's okay to joke about in certain countries? I mean, especially yeah. in the UK, even though a bunch of people are uh, complaining about what's okay to say or not, UK is still pretty much... Uh, what do you call it? Anything goes scene compared to America and a lot of other places. Right. Gotcha. Obviously, the reason I'm particularly interested is that I have a slight vested interest in the area of this particular joke. And whenever I've seen it, and this is going back a long way, um, and the first time I saw it, I don't think I was out really yet. I've always felt it was quite an inclusive thing in that I felt that kind of the joke is not <laughs> isn't it we look really gay isn't that funny it's actually more a joke about people who are uncomfortable with the fact you might look a bit gay. that's how i interpret it anyway <laughs> like the joke if there is a butt of the joke it's not me it's no. the people who feel uncomfortable with the fact that you might look a bit like the village people and oh we are is it all right to, we're metal fans we don't like that you know that's the <laughs> they're the butt of the joke not me it, was that ever a kind of an intentional thing? Or were you just saying it's funny? And then I've just kind of gone, well, actually, that's quite a good thing. Uh, well, it, it's a lucky thing. I wish I could say it was planned. Uh, but you're touching on something there. There's a very big difference of the subject of the joke and the target of the joke. For, for, for us to use it, it was more of a way to diffuse the situation when we were a support band and people not knowing how to react to... Mm. Uh, 
sort of us looking and behaving the way we did that would sort of diffuse the situation usually in a regular way and as long as we make the first jokes on us you know uh, then it opens up the room in a way where people feel more comfortable, can laugh about uh, anything, uh, or in, we could lash out to the crowd as well. You know, if somebody yeah. had a Slayer shirt and spoke the Slayer language, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you're coming as a support band and you haven't made the first joke on you, uh, it's harder to lash out to the crowd, and it opens yeah. up the room a bit. I mean, not saying as a you know uh, stand-up comedy situation, but it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. And also, I mean, heavy metal is funny, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't think heavy metal is funny, you're not. You're probably not looking at it very well. Because yeah, you know. and how are we? How are we going to explain? You know, singing about uh, death and destruction and millions yeah. dead while smiling and you know kicking each other in the butt during a guitar solo to make the other one fuck up and mess up. You know. Yeah. Uh, because we genuinely like being on stage, and I, I wouldn't want to be in a band where I had to be standing there looking true and evil you know, 150 nights a year, I'd fucking kill myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't really see that as your particular thing. Like I, I no. can't, I would say I can't imagine you in a band like Dark Funeral, but I have seen Dark Funeral make jokes about themselves on stage. Oh so. yeah. And they're really, really funny guys as well. Yes. Uh, but, but I think here's the thing that has come with time. If you would have talked to them 20 years ago, yeah. Whole different ballgame. You know? Yes. Quite probably. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can't see you doing the whole grim, serious thing for, you know, six months. Um, but the other aspect to it, though, is that it kind of that particular joke is interesting because there was a time when people would have kind of run away from that because they would have it would have looked people would have kind of looked or worried that they would be seen as actually gay and that, oh, no, I don't want people to think that. Whereas... <laughs> It, it to me, it's always seemed like, well, we've, so what? It's you know, that's there's nothing wrong with being gay. We we become entirely comfortable if you if you think we're serious. <laughs> well, I think so. What so what is the key word there? You know, and uh, yeah. Also, the metal god is gay for fuck's sake. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it it is kind of nice for it's the reason this is all interesting for me was it, it was nice to actually feel kind of. It, it was a very early and rare at that point uh, time when it felt like a band was saying, hey, this we're fine with this, because at that time there was a lot of people, particularly from the fans, saying, no, we're not fine with this. You know, there was a, any metal that people didn't like was automatically gay, or there was a, there was a slur beginning with F used towards the band. Yeah. Right? And so to, to have a band kind of make jokes that is saying, hey, we're comfortable, if you think that, is, yeah. you know, to immediately disarm that word. So you could, if you use that word, we look like the village people. Do you think we're uncomfortable with this? <laughs> no, it takes a lot more for us to be uncomfortable. And, you know, considering what we sing about, um, if they, uh, if people choose to think we're gay, that's totally fine. It's certainly better than a lot of other things they could think about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the thing that people have said before is so they sing about the germans a lot does that mean they're on the side of no <laughs> that has popped up once or twice yeah 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 anyway the people who are deaf on the internet aside i think that is um that little topic very nicely summed up thank you very much for joining us and um you know taking this with good humor and you know helping us illustrate why the uh 
the look of Sabazon is gay, and that's a bit great. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Good to see you again. And you. Matt joins me again as we stroll into the Hate Crew Gay Bar. We're ordering two Harilkas. Apologies, I've, I've mispronounced that. Uh, and the usual variety of plied, plied frags. Plied frags. Yeah, there we go. Of pride flags has been joined by a yellow and blue flag in solidarity to all the people it represents, uh, especially the queer folks suddenly in danger of finding themselves living under a regime much more hostile to them than they've been used to. For anyone new around here, HCGB is our heavy metal gay bar, where every week we update the jukebox with new music we are nuts about. We've got one pick each this week. Uh, Matt, last week you reverted to default and picked esoteric and impenetrable black metal. What can you mm. possibly have gone for this week? Do you reckon this is black metal? Nah, this is post metal, isn't it? Come on it's, now. Well, it's, it, your yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Say it, say it. You, no, <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it's but it's not even post metal. It's black metal with noise. That's not post metal. That's noise. Mm, uh, mm. Anyway, so it sounds it's, it um, sounds like Fearnask if they have had a fling with nor their tongues. I don't know that second band. So. Uh, it's noise band from the. Well, I say band. It's one guy from the Netherlands. Do not Google that band. Most of their covers are well, at least two of their covers are not safe for work. Really dramatically, like they did one EP, which was a photo of this uh, woman holding this guy's dick up by the foreskin and holding a knife like he was about to chop it. She was about to chop it off. Well, um, kinky. Uh, not kinky. Incredibly <laughs> terrifying, but you know makes its point quite clearly. Anyway, it, it, yes, it's black metal. As far as I'm concerned, well, it's um, it's called Ein Abil Delira. It's by a band called Cuisinaire, maybe something like that. I think that. It, uh, Google tells me it's Cloisonaire, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's like four tracks, um, and it's really fucking intense and quite unsettling. I think like it starts the album starts with like two, three minutes of. Yeah, just like swirling noises and building a load of tension and the riff sort of, I guess, starts quietly and then everything else comes in with, you know, a massive sort of bang. It is really horrible, but there's a, like there's a really impressively long scream at the start as well, which just, I guess, like sets the whole tone. And there's some like ghost bath style shrieks going on as well. So I'm sort of all over this. You say ghost bath, I say aura plagues. It's very well. It's not very aura replaced. It's very fearnasky. But the, the, those bits sound like some of the the, the Dave Condon vocals from um, Aura Plagues. So I was quite convinced that you'd like this, and I know you quite like Aura Plague. So well, I've just mentioned like I've mentioned three bands that I well, yeah. I like already. So I mean, I'll, I'll give you an explanation for exactly how much I like this. Um, it's not on Spotify, at least it wasn't when I went looking for it. Yeah, um, I've not seen it. Before. It is, though, on Bandcamp for pay what you want. So you can just download it for free if you want to, quite legally. I listened to it once and immediately paid real money for it, yeah. which should give you an idea <laughs> that I think this is fucking wicked. It's really, it's really fucking good. It's so foul and... Well, it's not... Actually, it's not that foul. It's just really kind of... Um, it's kind of got that, I don't want to say claustrophobic, but it's not. It's got that kind of fear of the dark quality. Like you're somewhere where you can kind of, you can sort of see, 
all around you and you don't feel those kind of walls around you, but you're actually quite scared because you don't know where you are and you can't see what's going on. So it's like being kind of out somewhere you don't know in the dark and trying to stumble around to to find your way back to where you want to be. It, it's really kind of um, fear of what you can't see in terms of its intensity. It's really fucking scary. And I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's uh, This was one of the ones that I just found when I was doing like an album roundup and you know like as a two or three minutes at the start it's just noise and stuff but it just create that atmosphere and it really captures you and then i sort of lasted another two minutes and then i was pretty much like i think this might be my pick for next week it's it's so fucking good the textures that they build are like incredible because it's it's so, so thick a lot of the time yeah, yeah. and you get sort of buried in it but you can still make everything out which i think is really quite impressive i mean the vocalist is he sounds fucking deranged a lot of the time. Some of the screams are like the shrieks, but some are so hard and so aggressive. But just the songwriting here is wicked. Like this, you know, they are long songs, but they don't seem it because I think well, a few things like the pace shifts are like really good. It goes super doomy in the first track um, after being like quite intense and quite fast. What's it called? And the, I mean, that's just mean, isn't it? Really, I don't know what it's bloody called. <laughs> Well, you know what it's called, you just can't say it. Well, yeah. You can find it yourself. <laughs> I'm slightly, I genuinely don't know how to say it because the, the singer is Dutch, but the band are German. Yeah. And the title of the album is German, but the name of the band is Dutch. So I don't, and as I don't know what that word means, I can't possibly work out which language it's in or how to say it. So I'm not even going to yeah, try exactly. Track one, let's do that. But there's some, there's some bits which just like really catch you off guard, I think. There's... There's the part in that first song where after that doomy part, you know, there's like a chord every 10 seconds or something, and it comes back in where it goes like major key and upbeat for like two bars, and it really tricks you, and then it just goes back on to, you know, smacking you around the face. It is really quite evil, though. There's a just a sense of terrifyingness all over this. Um, but again, there's a part in track two where it goes all groovy all of a sudden. There's like disco beats, and it's like, what the fuck is this? It should not work. It really does. And it's only four tracks long. And I think you need track three to be the interlude that it is because you need chance to recompose yourself after those first two songs and before the, the fourth. This is one of the things I was actually going to say is really good about it. You remember when I spoke about um, Epiphanic Truth? Um, yeah. And that I remember said that one of the reasons it works is that they throw all this stuff at you and then they break and they just give you this kind of long chasm of kind of patience noise to fall into and that means you can kind of collect yourself and go <gasps> and kind of take in what just happened and so that what is something that is actually kind of chaotic and swirling and could potentially be really confusing you can actually process so it makes you kind of want to keep going and want to listen it doesn't become exhausting so at no point does it ever feel like you're being kind of you're being asked to take in cognitively more than you can process so that it allows but the psychological effect of the noise is exactly the same right so it hasn't dropped the atmosphere or the intensity it's not yeah. broken the fourth wall or anything but what it has done is just let you compose yourself or at least get your thoughts together so you can okay go okay i've listened to that oh and here's the next bit and it's it's such an easy songwriting thing to do right it's just to put some put some space in there and it but it's so effective and it's used so well and it it does mean that it kind of it gets across the emotional stuff, not just atmosphere, right? Because it does feel like an emotional record. It's not just kind of we're going to bombard you with fucking noise and intensity. Yeah. It seems like there's something behind it. And it's, it, oh, yeah, it's fucking great. 
Yeah, with that, with the interlude sort of thing, because at the end of track two as well, there's like 30-odd seconds of just silence before the interlude even comes in. Yeah. Um, which always confuses me. I don't really know why it does it, but I sort of like it. It's a cool effect. And then the interlude itself goes into the, the fourth and final track, which starts with like this sample of, I don't know what they're saying, but it's pretty cool. And just, I don't know, it just sounds eerie. Like the whole thing here sounds eerie. And there's, I think it's in the last song as well. There's like this almost Gregorian chant style thing going on in the background. Which is a very thin thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's like, it goes all slow with like bells chiming and everything. It's wicked. And the drumming all over this is I mean, the whole musicianship, all the songwriting, but like the drumming is really fucking cool all over this. Yeah, it is. And it, it it's kind of a uh, an album we're talking about the kind of individual bits. Like, it feel kind of isn't necessarily the point. Like we have yeah. done, and all that stuff is great, and I agree with all that. But actually, it's the kind of the overall effect. It's the way it makes you go, oh, and kind of it it makes you feel like you're unsettled in a scary place, which is I get the feeling is exactly what they're trying to do. They don't want you to be comfortable. And it does that incredibly effectively, which is exactly what I want. And I'm, I'm, I'm using the Northern Tongues comparison earlier. That, that Maury's from Northern Tongues just makes you feel absolutely fucking terrified. That's what it, it and his music is is occasionally beautiful, but it's noise. But it's really frightening. And like the ability to to do that is something that I think is is here. And it's it, it the reason I. I immediately went, oh, I'm paying money for this, was the way it made me feel. It was all about the kind of the effect everything had on me and the fact I was both ex- excited and extremely frightened at the same time. It's, it's quite difficult to do that. Like it, Whether you're new to black metal or extreme music at all, or you're a veteran, it, it's kind of difficult to do that and keep it going, but they managed to do it brilliantly, and it, oh, yeah, fantastic. The bleak dark and emotional and beautifully atmospheric uh and probably incorrectly pronounced ein abil de lera by Ploitsonair has been entered into the jukebox my pick this week uh, is an album from a band i have a slightly funny history with the band is a legion which isn't spelled like it sound it sounds check the episode description or the hgb spotify playlist if you want to find them uh, they are i say melodic tech death the emphasis on the tech death rather than necessarily the melody. So it's not like someone has just like teched up in flames or something like that. It's more that someone has made technical death metal much more melodic. Yeah. And a lot of times it, it, the melody is not really there that much. It's more the tech death bits. So I mean, the closest thing you could probably compare it to is like a uh, soil work with more emphasis on the tech than on the prog, really. It's very much my stylistic sweet spot, right? That is exactly the kind of thing I go, oh, hello. It's extreme and it's melodic and it's technical. Yes, please. So the first three records, and they kind of came along almost ex- the exact same point I was starting in the music media. So I started following their career just when I was doing this a lot. And I played the hell out of those first three records, expecting them to click, thinking this must you know, this must be my kind of thing. And it, it never did. And it just it never got it. So I skipped the next two albums because although I liked the groove, I was impressed by the musicianship. It never kind of formed into songs. It was just impressive rather than necessarily engaging. Um, I think I may have made a slight mistake skipping those two because 
their new album, Damnum, is fucking unreal. It's got loads of melody. It's got some killer clean vocals. And I think the the change of vocalist that happened a couple of albums ago has really helped them. Uh, the songs, though, are much more intelligibly and in some cases more simply structured than I remember. Uh, and all the kind of the aggressive groove and virtuoso lead guitar work, which they had before, is just now formed into, into memorable stuff that I can listen to once ago. I know that song. And it has some of the most anthemic, really fucking heavy songs I've heard in ages. Are you now going to spoil this for me? No, I've had a very strange time with this band and album as well, actually, because um, Illusion, like, obviously, this isn't necessarily my scene, uh, but Illusion are one of those bands that I've always seen, like, really revered, uh, revered, like, by people in those circles. So I've tried a lot with them. Yeah, the guitarists love them. Yeah, exactly. And it's never really clicked because I think it's just, it's been a lot of times sort of too showy for me, uh, too techy. And then I listened to this album when we got sent it. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But for me, I don't know if you get this, but like there's usually two or three albums a year that I listen to and I think are fine and I don't really go back to it. But then I'm sort of made to go back to it for whatever reason. If you know, if I hear everyone going on about it or if a friend that I trust sort of recommends it to me directly. Or, or I tell you we like have this. to do it for the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's your pick, so it's, you know, it's your pick. He said, he said that I went to listen to it again. And my second time, I was like, holy shit what the fuck if I missed the first time? This is right? fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Now, I want to say I've been back to the, the two records I skipped. First one, nah. I mean, there's kind of some signs that maybe things are changing, but uh, just the change of vocalist between that and the last album I listened to, no different. So I don't actually think that I was wrong on the first three, and I don't think I was wrong to skip that one. The one after, I think I've made a bit of a mistake. Because... Um, Although Proponent for Sentience was kind of showing the signs of progression, the last album, Apoptosis, really is sounds like it's very good. This one, though, I'm sorry, is just the best thing they've done, right? It's an absolutely massive step up. It's the closest comparison I can give is like, Opeth were a good band before they did Blackwater Park and then they did Blackwater Park. This, to me, is a similar kind of level of, oh, now we need to pay attention, right? And I use that example quite deliberately, as I reckon they might like that nice Mr. Ackerfelt, because Called Home sounds quite a lot like Ghost of Perdition from um, Ghost Reveries. Yeah, for sure. There's also Of Beasts and Worms, which has this lovely... Oh, that intro, song! And then this lovely organ, and lovely vocal, and it's all lovely. And then riffs and gnarly vocals. It's wicked. I know you love a lo- lovely organ. Quite. Yeah. The first song is great too, right? But the, when you get a bit of beasts and worms, that's which is where I lose lost all self restraint, and I like the leg was going, and I wasn't even realizing I was paying that much attention to the music. I just felt, kind of felt my leg going, and then got to the chorus, and I think it was like the second time I heard the album, I was throwing my head back and raising the claws to the to the sky, both at the same time, kind of tilting my head back and shouting at the ceiling, and I haven't done that. That early in a listen to something since Endarkment by Anil Nathrak, and we know what I think of them. Like it's got a brilliant vocal hook. The extreme vocals are dubbed underneath the clean vocals, and the extreme vocals. Are... Yeah, I've got that on my notes. I love it when like it's the, so the good. screen sort of backing up a really nice melodic yeah. vocal line. Yeah, it's great, and it particularly works because his singing voice is quite high, but his guttural vocals are quite low. It's quite corpse grinding, really? right? It's not kind of uh, it's not the, the kind of pig squeal thing. Um, and it really increases the punch, but it's the fucking bill to reach that moment, right? 
it's and where it goes after it's it's all the structuring around it that makes you kind of it means you're kind of in position to for that you know it's it's that perfect football move where you just see the see everything moving and you realize it's going to happen and the defense can't stop it and then the chorus is like the is like the beautiful curling finish around the goalkeeper and it's just it and it's that moment and it's oh it's unreal and there there are other songs on there that good as well it's just that's really early. that's the spoilers that's the song that's going in the playlist but it, like that was the moment i really went oh and then it it keeps going like that it's so skilled but it hits me right in the heart it's not just technicality it's feeling well, i agree with you about like actual songs because that's always been my issue with with this band whenever i've tried them before i've not yeah. really heard that and really that's my issue with a lot of this genre but it was for me as well it was on my second listen on that song i was like oh hang on they can write a song like really like this is well structured it's well written and they do a few cool bits over the uh, album as well there's like a flamenco part in um to carry my grief through torpor and silence i think so that is not a new thing by the way they've done that okay. a lot i like it though it's really cool and then it goes into this like really fun bass solo because there is some yeah. fun on this like i don't know sometimes like this sort of feels a bit in between between the buried and me and like rivers of an isle it's like not as wacky or fun as the former but it's not as, or as serious or intense as the latter they've always sounded fun to me but it's just always been kind of it's just been kind of formless it's washing over you like jazz and those kind of uh, classical guitar interludes they're not new they've been doing that for ages the problem i've had with them in the past isn't i don't like them or it's really or don't think they're really good is that everything around them has kind of not really made me made me kind of want to listen to the album as a whole to enjoy that moment whereas here it just because the songs between just stand out that much more it, those moments when they come are something that I can go back to over and over again because I like the whole thing. Right? The, the album construction for them has never been a problem and the fun has never been a problem. It's been making it memorable and making it more about feeling than showing off. Like It's the, it's the thing I've had with Leprous, which is the really early stuff felt really kind of impressive, but it's like it's you're standing there being impressive and I'm watching you and there's not really much connection between the two. Now it's completely joined up. This is exactly the same kind of thing. Yeah, I told you about my um, train journey back from my gig the other day. Yes. It was, it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, and I was not in a good mood, but then I eventually got a charger for my phone. I won't tell the whole story. It's long and it's boring. But I was in a bad mood. <laughs> and then I put this album on when I could finally, you know, use my phone um, on my last train back. And I was like, it just, it, it was really quite uplifting. Like, it does put you in a good mood. It's, I don't, yeah. it, you do actually feel it. It's really fun. And it's, it's not sort of, We've spoken about how death metal can be fun in like the wrist and whatever before, but it's 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 more I don't want to say happy, but it just really I guess it invokes um good things. <laughs> yeah. It's more it's there's an uplifting quality to the yeah. extremity, right? In the kind of same way that um as much as you know Anonathrak is about how everything's awful, a lot of the songs are about, you know, kind of you being strong and kind of getting through it. You know, sub- submission is for the week, for example, which is one of the most vile songs you've ever heard, but it's still kind of vaguely empowering. Um, I, I I do think the part of it is I think the melodies have got simpler. I think they're just using simpler melodies in in guitars, and also the clean vocals are, are just a huge advancement. You said about solo work. I do think the clean vocalist likes Bjorn Schroeder. 
I mean, everyone should. So it, I well, wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't surprise me if it does. But yeah, I mean, soil work is is kind of the. It doesn't sound like soil work, but it's the closest thing to it. Yeah. I just think the whole album is full of fucking great songs, and I I'm flabbergasted at, at a band that I'd kind of written off as as being one that wasn't for me. It was for, for people who were hearing something that I wasn't. And then I heard this and just went, fucking hell, that is absolutely brilliant. And I love it wall to wall, Uh, which is why Damnum by Allegion has been entered into the jukebox. And while we'll have more great new music for you next week, for now, that is time at the Hate Crew Gay Bar. We finish, as you would expect, on a camp classic. This is where we take a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. And this week, it's Gertia, the opening song from Eparistera Diamonds, the debut album from Tripscon, which is the current band from extreme metal pioneer and general legend slash genius, Tom G. Warrior. And they are also the band that spiritually continues on from Celtic Frost. First things first, as usual, Matthew, when we spoke about Kurokuma a few weeks back, uh, I said they sounded a bit like Celtic Frost, mm-hmm. and you said you weren't that familiar with the work of that nice Mr. Warrior. Uh, having heard this, have I tempted you to investigate them further? So I knew this song, um, and I, I don't know how, <laughs> but I got this on. Really I was fucking like, good. I know this. Yeah, but like, why, why would I know this? Like, is it been in something? Like, I don't understand. It wasn't just Not to that my it knowledge. sounded vaguely familiar. I like, I know this song. I've heard this multiple times. But I mean, it's it's good. It's really good. But I just got very confused by that. Yeah, I I don't know where you've heard it. I mean, I just think I I've heard it a lot. But that's because I fucking adore Trips Gone and I've listened to it, listened to them a lot. Um, I loved Celtic Frost, both the the classic stuff, not Cold Lake. No one likes Cold Lake. Um, so you say about like like spiritually um, continuing that band. Like, what what is the sort of difference in sounds then? I guess between the two bands. Uh, I'm between this and the, between this and the, the previous, uh, the last Celtic Frost album, Monotheist, which is um, unbelievably hard work. It's terrifying. It's really utterly miserable, and it's partially, I think, because Tom G. Warrior and Martin Ein, who are basically the two members, main members of Celtic Frost, they didn't, they weren't getting on, and a lot of that tension comes out of the music. They kind of irreconcilably uh, split as a as a working partnership and Martin Ein sadly passed away a few years ago and Tom G. Warrior was very moving in his tribute to him so it was obvious that there was still a, a huge personal connection there even if they ne- couldn't necessarily work together I, the difference is is an advancement more than anything else I wouldn't say there's a massive dichotomy between this and Monotheist hmm. it's heavier I think it's not as quite as intense but I think guitar is it's heavier Victor Santura joining the band, I think, helped him a lot with the production as well, which is, is an improvement. Compared to the early stuff, I and mean, the early stuff, the, the evolution of Kirby Frost, they started out as a band called Hellhammer. They're one of the f- original three black metal bands, you know, in the same era as Venom and Bathory. Uh, and, but they didn't really last very long at all. And then uh, they kind of fell apart and resurrected as Celtic Frost who were really kind of tagged at the time, I think, as a thrash band. But they were thrash, but fucking evil and weird, and very, very quickly moved into slightly more avant-garde album, uh, circles. They did a kind of EP slash album called Morbid Tales, which is incredible, and then they did uh, 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 an album to called Two Megatherium, which is still kind of a, a really evil thrash record. 
but then they did an album called Into the Pandemonium, which is much more avant-garde and is much more odd and angular and weird and unsettling. Um, and then the band fell apart and they resurrected as a hair metal band for one album, which is a, a, a very, very long That's story. Weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, anyone, YouTube, Celtic Frost, Cherry Orchards, that will tell you everything. That that incarnation of the band lasted one album. Tom G. Warrior has disowned it. Every, it's kind of one of those... It is one of the infamously plop bad decision records, right? Like, uh, St. Anger level balls up or uh, Illa Divinum Insanus. In fact, no, it's worse than Illa Divinum Insanus. It's like if Illa Divinum Insanus only had the industrial stuff, but was worse. Actually, no, it's... It, the, the, for hair metal, it's not all that terrible. It's bad, but it's just ordinarily bad. But because it, it came from the band that you know did Circle of the Tyrants, it was just unforgivable. Well, no, it's forgivable, but it's like it, it torpedoed them, and they split up very shortly after. They did kind of there was an attempt to rekindle them, and they, that lasted one album. And then they disappeared for fifteen years, and then Tripticon carried on. So Tripticon at this is. A, a full band they haven't done an album for a long time and i i have a sneaking suspicion that that's because tom g warrior really sets very high standards so this is the kind of the debut album there was then a an ep which was an in a kind of stopgap release really it was kind of off cuts from from this album and they did a a, a second album which has moments of genuine genius, but doesn't work quite as well as this one. And it got an awful lot of praise at the time, including it, that happened when I was working with Terrorize and we put Tripticon on the cover. Uh, and I think the album got 10 out of 10, which almost never happened. I mean, it wasn't quite like uh, uh, some publications where it's almost literally impossible to get 10 out of 10. It basically has to be a kind of a, a group editorial decision, but it was more two of us making a call. But we get we allowed it to get 10 because the writer wanted it and we went can't argue with it it's interesting that tom g warrior has said that he's not that he's he he kind of is interested that he's got that much praise because he thinks it's possibly the most flawed thing that he's done i don't think that well presuming he's ignoring cold lake um i don't necessarily think that that's he's right i just think that this album is kind of more coherent and I reckon he struggles to maintain his the very high standards he set himself because no one can maintain those standards. And uh, that's a theory. I don't know, but I they haven't done an album in a long time. They play a lot live though. And if you have ever seen Tripticon live, they're one of the heaviest fucking things you'll ever hear. Like genuine, like neurosis level heaviness. They're terrifyingly heavy. Anyway, I've this album is well entrenched in my top twenty albums ever. It's not perfect, but it's so good and it's it's so coherent as an album. Like even though there is an album at the end, which a song at the end, which is kind of piano and, and soft female vocals called "My Pain," which is just kind of comes out of nowhere, and you go, "Where the fuck did that come from?" And it's amazing and it's brilliant. And then there's a twenty minute song to close it, and the twenty minute song might be the only song on on the album better than the opening track. Uh, it's the. It, I'm not kidding when I say I reckon this has the best first and last song of any metal record since Rain in Blood. It's a big call, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's they're such a good pairing. Like the the openings of this song, that slow build, those staggeringly heavy riffs, that trademark uh, 
then that roar of Satan, Savior, Father. And then that kind, those kind of eerie Celtic Frost, well, Tom G. Warriors, unique riffing style. I've I've been watching this band play live. They've opened with this song, and when they've got to Satan, Savior, Father, bit, I've literally dropped to my knees. It's so intense. It's just mighty. Ugh. I can talk about this band for a long time. <laughs> Have you noticed? <laughs> I'll shut the fuck up. Um, let's move on to why it's a camp classic. I will freely admit that this might initially seem to be an incredibly unlikely nomination, hmm. given that the song is based, is, although it's quite a long song, there's not that many lyrics, and it's all about Tom G. Warrior imploring Satan. Uh, so are you getting anything that speaks to your queer side at all, even slightly? Well, sort of, and sort of a bit of a continuation of the Architects thing last week. Um, oh, cause... good, you spotted it! <laughs> oh, right, yeah, okay, so... I'm sort of going to go in reverse order because, like, it's the, the third verse, um, which is "Lord have mercy upon me, guilt has ravaged, guilt has ravaged this my flesh. Lord have mercy upon me, thine shall be this mortal soul." Where I guess it's like you know we sort of said last week about asking God for forgiveness or something, and um, there's also the first verse which links to it, which is you know you started at Satan, save your father, Lord constructed my world, master destroyer, redeemer, guide me, I am the open wound. So I sort of see that as you know, disowning God as the good one and turning to Satan for, uh, I guess, guidance in trying to find yourself. And, you know, we all know that when you're trying to work yourself out when you're queer and sort of how to navigate all the parts that come with it, um, you feel like, I guess, you know, in this in this regard and sort of in my regard, like it sort of felt let down by who you were told to be looking, um, for, looking towards for guidance and sort of went the other way. Like, okay, well, Maybe I'll go to the devil. See what you can do for me. Yes, no, it's it's almost exactly that thing. It's it's um it's kind of domine non est dignus for tasse satana est, uh, which means God is not great, but maybe Satan is. Is kind of is how I kind of think of this one. It 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 links to broken crosses very strongly, as far as I'm concerned. Nothing yeah. is it's kind of why it's, it's we're doing this now. It goes a little. It's a little bit different for me because my relationship to religion is very, very different to you. So the song is um, very clearly about Satan as the emancipator, the liberator, the bearer of light, and, and the one who brings enlightenment. You mentioned the the verse, the first opening bit of the verse and the, the first chorus, that in between there, there's under a frozen sun, under a burning moon, all shall be revealed under the morning star, which is basically the morning star being lucifer lucifer satan will bring enlightenment so it's it's kind of, that's who he's talking about mm. i've n never really understood satanism and what well i know what it is let's kind of understand it theoretically but i've never uh, for all my love of black metal i've never really understood why people think it's any good it, it to me i either find it depending on which interpretation we're talking about, because there's like three or four. I either think it's you know a bit selfish or a bit juvenile, or it's someone has basically taken the principles of the Enlightenment and given it a slightly more aggressive, rebellious twist. Except when I try and view it through my queerness. And then I go, oh, no, maybe I can understand it. And this song kind of reps that represents that absolutely perfectly. Because until I was well into adulthood and public opinion radically shifted on it, all I ever heard from Christian leaders and ministers and priests was about how I, as a gayer, was intrinsically disordered or mentally ill or morally corrupt or in some other way bad. 
so an entreaty to Satan, the liberator, the one who doesn't care what consenting adults dangly bits I'm currently enjoying, the one who can free me from my guilt and self-loathing, would actually seem very tempting if I didn't already have a secular ideology that served the same purpose for me. So that's that's Tom G. Warrior singing Lord have mercy upon me, guilt has ravaged just my this my flesh is the one moment where I think I can understand why people find Satanism attractive. Mm. And it's only because of my gayness that I can kind of it, I can emp- empathetically understand what people are talking about. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sort of I guess I'm sort of similar, I think, with um Satanism has never been something that necessarily appeals to me. I guess for the right reasons. I sort of like going on about that and like worshiping the devil and shit as more of a retaliation more of a sort of rebellion yeah. it's to piss people off isn't it yeah exactly because of how much shit we hear from the other side just may as well do that i'm like i don't know maybe it's i mean it's probably not the most mature thing but it's funny isn't it <laughs> that's what we've always said about like homophobia like just sort of throw it back in their face start flirting with them it's a similar sort of concept yeah and i could... we're not here to be like educators right like sometimes we do have to try and change people's minds and to work yeah. to to win people around, and that's partially why this podcast exists, right? But yeah, but sometimes it's exhausting. <laughs> and if someone just throws shit at us, then throw it back on them. Yeah, like if you're going around looking for it to throw it at people, then that's one thing. But if people are yeah, going to exactly. approach you, being like, "Jesus will save you if you just let him," is the is the point? You just turn around and say, "But I've already been saved by the devil." <laughs> because you're not going, you can't, you can't help that person, right? In that, in the instant, you know, if they're coming up to you in the street and saying that, you can't change them. You're not going to yeah, help exactly. anyone by having a conversation. You might as well, be, yeah, and and it will make you and everyone around you feel like less bad about you than if if you just tell them to fuck off, which is your only other real alternative. It's a much, um, it's a much more fun and much more safe way. Because you could quite easily turn around to one of those people and just fucking smack them, you know what I mean? But shouldn't do that. You will get arrested, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you just sort of, you know, sort of give them their shit back to them, then it's uh, it's quite amusing, I think. Yeah. And also violence begets violence, right? You hit them and then they'll get a gang of, they might get a gang of people to beat you up and then you've got a problem, right? Which is, is how some of this shit works, right? Yeah. I hate to bring it back to it, but it's partially why all this stuff in America is so fucking terrifying, right? Because the moment you've got people who are kind of saying this, someone will push back, and that pushback will... If it's if people feel empowered to be violent towards us gays, then they will do it. Because you've... It, well, I say America. It's happened here. There have been some really horrendous stories about that kind of thing being done in the UK. So... It's very clear that there's a load of people who, because of recent political shit, and I don't want to talk about the big B word, and I don't want to talk about the Nazi what's it in the, in the terrible wig, but pe- that kind of shit has empowered a load of fucking homophobic twat bags, and more, more to the point, transphobic twat bags. There was a really good um, example of why the transphobia in the UK is, is so poisonous around the world, because the this fucking cunty letter that Greg Abbott's office has sent out cited a transphobic case in this country. A case which, by the way, was overturned and, and the Court of Appeal said was flawed and 
the judgment's essentially been expunged, but they use that to try and justify. So, but yeah, the, yeah. basically what I'm saying is that if saying is that if you if you start being violent towards people, then they might start being violent back, and ultimately we're outnumbered. Is I guess my point. So throwing stuff back at them and just saying, "But I'm already with the devil, and he's really hot," is you know, yeah, because they they don't know what to do with that most of the time as well. No, <laughs> like no. they expect you to either have a conversation with them or just tell them to fuck off yeah which you know they have a response to both of those things but if you start you know going down our route then it's uh they just get confused and we'll probably leave you alone which is yeah know, what we want and of course of course what you could say is have you tried to pray to take take your same-sex attraction which is the evil phrase that was used have you tried praying to take the same-sex attraction away and you say no i'm too busy on my knees uh praying to some praying to the devil with a big cock in my ass, or something like that, you know, they have no comeback. They, 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 there's nothing they can say. There isn't a response. It's just the end of the conversation. So you know, it ends it. But anyway, I generally have no real interest in Satanism. I, could, I find Luciferianism a bit fascinating, but then I realise, oh, it's basically the Enlightenment, just more aggressive. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stick with them. I kind of am not really interested in it. Except when Tom G. Worry is singing Satan save your father and then I kinda of go Ooh Ooh In a kind of gay way, I get it. Um <laughs> I think though that is Gertia by Tripscon explained. We will have another camp classic for you next week when Drop Dead Cynical by Amaranth will be changing the mood quite dramatically. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen that. <laughs> Satan dear, we've already said not Christ, Satan. Um, <laughs> We will also, if everything goes according to plan, have another chat with someone from the LGBTQ plus community who help who helps make metal happen uh, in another In My Kingdom queer. Although, as it hasn't happened yet, I might hold far on saying who it is yet in case I ball set balls my schedules up and we don't make that happen. Uh, we'll also have new music for HGBs in the shape of Sabaton, yes, them again, and Matt's bringing in Midnight. You got spoilers, of course, you know that Matt's not bringing in Sabaton. Um, that, though, is all we have for HBFM 69. Matt, it's been memorable. Mm, yeah, good. Although that will be quite interesting next week. You've had your chance to talk to Sabaton now, and it's a good job that we've done it this way around, because uh, I get the chance to talk about the album, which um, I'm sure you're very much looking forward to. No, no, no. You hope you'll, you get the chance to talk about Sabaton. <laughs> you're, expe- you, you're hoping that your bits get through the edit. Yeah, so I had a dream about them last night, um, which is probably... Did you now? Yeah, no, no, not like that. Um, Just They Haunted Me. It was the first, well, the first and last song on the album. They're great, uh, aren't they? No. (laughs) It's just playing over and over in my head, and I hate it, and it needs to stop. It's fine. I won't make you talk about them next week. I'll just talk about them on my own for 15 minutes. That's fine. fine. That's that's kind of what everyone knows is likely to happen anyway, once once it's been through the edit. Uh, I'm joking, I don't really edit any of Matt's bits out of HGBs, even if he really doesn't like my album. Um, until next week, though, when uh, we will hopefully still be friends come the end of it, listen to Cloyd's Air, listen to Allegiant, and remember, it does get better. <coughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'm not going to try that. My throat's very sore. (laughs) What have you been doing? Oh, God, I fucking should have seen it coming. No, that's worse. (laughs) End the call.